Romans chapter 12. Um, may the beginning and the end be heart set free. Romans 12, from the beginning to the end. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. <clears throat> be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. And be faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you, Robert. And if you were to 
speak to Rob in his home, he and Joe, you would hear him saying the same words. Last week we uh, began a series, Everyday Matters, talking about the everyday matters of Christianity that need to be a part of our everyday lives. We talked about celebration, rejoicing in a father who rejoices over his children. It's an amazing truth, isn't it? Celebrating as the father himself celebrates. Today we're talking about community, how we worship together, encourage one another, and together serve in love for Christ, or loving as Christ loves. I've, uh, I was rediscovering Psalm 119 this morning, just as the sun was coming up and uh, bringing warmth and light to the world. Psalm 119 has these words. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Father, may that be our prayer this morning, that as we open your word, that we would see new things, that we would discover things about ourselves, that we would learn more about you, that together we would be transformed into your likeness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I... Uh, Left home for the first time, I entered into a, a Christian community called Cornerstone. Each week we would meet on a Wednesday night and have a community meeting. And uh, we'd talk about how we were going in farm work, we'd talk about how we were going in our studies. Mostly we just complained about each other. Uh, we'd, we'd share communion together, we had a bit of bread and a bit of uh, weak red cordial. Uh, and it didn't matter. Um, but as we came together to share this community together, uh, I remember the comment of one of our, the guys that I was living with and shared a room with for a time saying, we're not too different from the people of, e uh, of Israel leaving Egypt, are we? Not too long after seeing God's salvation works as he brought, brought them powerfully out of the, the hand of Pharaoh, uh, are they in the wilderness and they're complaining about what the food's like or where, whether they're getting enough to drink? And start looking back and thinking now, maybe the world that we've been called from had more to offer us than the life that God is calling us into. It was in those times that I began to memorize uh, scriptures like Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to uh, do what is right, to live lives of holy sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Paul, in a way, is speaking to a people who have been called out of the world and have, have set their sights on the world that is to come. And it's a wonderful journey that they're on. But there are times where we look a lot like we used to. Or that we even look at the world around us and, and want after those things, rather than to really recognise what it is that God has called us together to do. Because he's not just calling us to a place, a, a far off land. He's calling us together. That we would live one person to another 
showing the mercies of God, recognising that the worship of God is seen in everything that we say and do each day. Let's not be conformed to the world, but let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds and act as living sacrifices. If you like, it takes our head, our heart and our hands. We transform our mind, renew our hearts and we see what God is doing by the work of our hands. It was a time that for me I felt like I was, I don't know, ready for independence. I'd left home, my upbringing had done its work, I was, I was now able to, to live and think and, and, and function for myself as an individual. But one of the first lessons I learnt from leaving home is that you don't grow to maturity and then go and live an isolated life. The purpose of your upbringing is to bring you to maturity, yes, but then to invite you into community. And in community you begin to, to embody those things that the family has sought to teach you. That it's not just one person living here. We live as a family. We share things together. We each have responsibilities and roles to, to fulfill. And as we recognise those things as a family, we dwell together in harmony. And so maturity isn't leaving all that behind. Maturity is moving from that into community, embracing those things. That God has called me to, to live in the, the ways that he has made me that are unique, but is calling me into places where he wants to use me alongside of others. That we would recognise the roles that he has given and the responsibilities that we have that it is still our purpose to love one another, not in independence, but interdependence. Church, likewise, is a place where we grow as family, but also a place where we function as community. Our maturity is found in the way that we, we dwell uh, with each other in unity. And it's what Paul is really talking about, even as he uh, opens well as he continues in into chapter 12 we think in those first few verses all right this is an encouragement that God, that that Paul is speaking into my life that that I won't be conformed to the patterns of this world and that my mind will be tra transformed but there's a purpose in that and he goes on in verse 3 to say for by the grace given to me I say to every one of you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Do you see that he's, he's talking now about how we work together? And I love the way that he begins that, this little section. He talks primarily of grace. A grace that he has received, a grace that he has learnt, and a grace that he now applies by the grace given to me. Christ has, has won it all for me. He's, he's brought the victory. He's brought me into his kingdom. And I see that this is nothing of myself. This is a gift that God has given. And so as I serve in the ways that God has called me to serve, in the gifts that he's given me to serve, I'm going to embody that grace and encourage that grace in you. By the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, 
Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. You too need to dwell on the grace of God. Recognise what greater gift it is that God has given to you. Not that you've made it by your own efforts, not that your good has outweighed your evil or any of that. You're here because of a gracious gift that God has given. It's, it's a profound gift. It's, it's something of great honour, but it in us should produce profound humility. What's the enemy of community? Pride. People who say the community exists for me or for my uh, pleasure. The community gathers around me so that I may be honoured. No. Each person in humility by the grace that we've received learns grace and encourages grace. Now, another way that Cornerstone was described was like a, uh, a 44-gallon drum filled with rocks. You throw in all the rocks and then you start rolling it around together. Why? For what purpose? Well, you know, as, as jagged rocks hit up against jagged rocks, they gradually become smoother rocks. It's hard at first gathering together with a new group of people or, uh, as, as Bethany described, getting on camp and being lumped into a, a cabin full of complete strangers. But as you recognise the friction of those first days and you begin to work together, things begin to smooth, not just in your interactions with each other, but in your own personality. Paul elsewhere addresses some of these differences of, uh, and, and the importance that they have in unity. He speaks in Galatians chapter 3 in these ways. For as many of you who are baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I think sometimes this verse is taken out of context to say that, that these differences are no longer there. Paul's not saying that Jews are no longer Jews and Greeks are no longer Greeks or that slaves are no longer slaves or that free people are no longer free, that males are no longer males or females no longer females. But he's saying whatever these differences, the grace you have received is the same. You are now brought together as one people, all together, one in Christ Jesus. For he says elsewhere in Romans 12, uh, oh, sorry, he goes on to say in Romans 12, In one body we have many members, and as members we don't have the same function. Though we are many, we are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Individually members of one another. Individuals, but together. So God wants us to recognise these differences, but to use them. Having gifts that differ according to grace given to us, we're to use these for unity. I couldn't help but uh, look at some of the, the flowers that were put up the front here while we were, um, well, before the service, but I was looking at them while we were singing and I thought, how often do you see in a flower arrangement not just one type of flower, but different types of flowers? And, and even in the same type of flower, uh, different variations of that. And there's one here, a carnation, that's got two different colours and it kind of to me, brings the whole uh, bouquet together. It's what God calls us to, to look like as a church, a bouquet of prophecy 
of service, of teaching, of encouragement, of giving, of leading and of mercy. Now the individuals who receive these gifts both have an individual responsibility to practice these gifts with the grace that has been given to them by the measure of faith that they have. But those called to prophesy, prophesy. Those called to serve, serve. Those called to teach, teach, and so on. And so there's an importance in recognising who it is that God has called you to be. And what are the gifts that God has given you? And how are you to use them? Learn what it means to, uh, to act with the faith that God has given to you. But learn what it means that how is my, my church going to, to be less if I don't teach, if God has called me to teach? Or what are people around me missing out on if my role is to encourage and I do not encourage? Or what things will not be accomplished if God has given me the ability to give and I withhold from giving? Or to act with mercy and I fail to show mercy? Community is designed to bring out our best. That we might see what God has given us that, that we can give to others and enjoy that. Often we see that community can also bring out our, our weaknesses. How do you respond when community brings out the worst in you? It's not community's purpose, but in some ways it is community's end goal. That we would, as well as our strengths, recognise our weaknesses, but not to be crushed by them. But to see that those around us, while they might be those who expose our weaknesses, are also those who are going to give into those areas where we are deficient. Who will be able to say, I think you've fallen in this way, but let me encourage you. I think in this area you, you lack, but I want to teach you. I can see these needs in your life, but God has given me in abundance in this area and, and I want to provide for you. Denying our weaknesses sometimes denies the help that we need to receive from one another. And so community helps to strengthen each one. The community of the church also ensures that we grow in our Christian lives together. And in my Bible, the, the heading under these next few verses says, the marks of a true Christian. And Paul goes on to, to describe these marks as love and holiness, affection and honour, zeal, a service to the Lord, rejoicing in endurance and prayer, giving generously and showing hospitality. He says, let your love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality. As I said, we were uh, seeking to, to interview a prospective youth pastor this week and, and so as I guess part of the process I sent out uh, questionnaires to each of his referees and, and I received uh, one response uh, to a question about how do you see uh, the gifts of, of this, this person 
And, uh, and the response was, this man's giftedness is in discipleship. He and his wife are great at hosting and caring for people. I've seen them sacrifice willingly to help those in need in order that Christ is formed in them. Wonderful words, aren't they? I wonder if I was to send letters out uh, on behalf of each of you and, and said of your friends and your workmates, what is it that you see are the gifts of this person? How would you describe their character? I wonder if you would see reflections of, or whether I would see reflections of, of these things that Paul describes as, as genuine signs of, of Christian character. I see this person as generous. I see them as, as hospitable within their homes. I see their zeal. I see their fervor. There's, there's no job that I, I give to them that their hands are not strong to take on. They see things that people don't see. Their hearts go out to people that, that others have passed over. I see in their very lives that they're a part of something greater. I'm certain we could say those things about each other in the church. We see the needs that, that we have just as we meet together week by week and as we seek to serve our community in different ways. And we're not always, uh, not, not all the, the greatest at, at one area of service or the other, but together as we work in these things, God makes us fit for service and fit for the kingdom. It's this unity that is so important in our personal Christian lives, that it's what Christ prayed for in, in one of his last prayers. We uh, look at John chapter 17 from verse 22. Jesus prays, The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus prays for unity in the church because he thinks that this is what's going to make this, uh, the message effective in going out into the world or what's going to crush it. And so sometimes we regard unity in the church as really of, of little consequence or we feel hurt or harmed by something that's happened within the church and so we just distance ourselves a little bit from that worshipping community. Not realising that, that while we think we're just responding to something that's happened to me or a personal relationship that I'm struggling with at the moment, that that's as far as it goes. Failing to see that that if we distance ourselves from relationships within the church, we're actually discrediting the, the word of the gospel in our community. People are looking at us and the way that we, we love each other as evidence of whether God really sent Christ into the world. Did God send so love the world that he sent Christ into the world? Well, let me see that in the love that's shared within people of the church. Paul also writes in Colossians, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of the saints. Faith in Christ for him isn't enough to bring him to rejoicing. It's love in the church. And when he looks at the Colossians, he sees such love. 
And it's what spurs him on to pray for them even more. So let us pray for each other. For praying together builds community. I was blessed this week as I went as a supervisor into the high school SRE class. And the teacher there said, I've had some difficult weeks and I've had some some." much better weeks with this class. Uh, you know, I think it's the weeks where I pray that I see greater blessing. And so we paused and we prayed for the lessons of that day. And, uh, and as we, we prayed, tears filled the eyes of, of the teacher. Um, just acknowledging things like what a gracious God, a gift God has given to us and what a wonderful privilege it is that we have this gift that we might give it to others. And how... How great is the, the honour of being able to ask for God's help in us doing that. For as we come together in unity and as we allow that unity to, to overflow in our prayers, God uses the love that we share in effectiveness in reaching out to those around us. And that's the desired hope. Paul goes on to speak of the results of unity in community. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what you do, what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it de depends on you, live peaceably with all. Again, he's saying it's, it's not just important that you uh, take those first verses and, and say, all right, I'm, I'm done with the world. I'm going to let God transform my heart. But what God is doing in you, he's doing for the sake of those around you. And now, here's the test. You will be able to see God working, uh, the evidence of God working through you if you see these things. That you will be a blessing to others. That you will be in the heart and soul of the people around you. If they're rejoicing, you're rejoicing. If they're weeping, you're there weeping with them. There's harmony in the body of Christ. There's the absence of pride. There's friendship for all. There's wisdom that, is, that comes from the result of godly counsel. People are honoured and peace is enjoyed. This is God's vision of the church for us. It also confirms the gospel we believe. In Colossians 2, we read, I want you to know what great struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In his prayer, Paul says, I want you to be knit together in love, that you would reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding of the gospel. It begins and it ends with love, just as we sang. As God frees our hearts that we might know his love for us. His end result is that our hearts would be free, that we would grow in love for each other and exhibit that together. What a wonderful gift we have to give to our community. 
This is what the writer of, of one, one person says of this. Community is about sharing our journey. It demonstrates our interdependence on God and on each other. It shares in common a revelation of aspects of God's character and essence. At the centre of community is the expression of God's love. If we want to understand what fullness of life and true wholeness are like, we have to explore this discipline. God helps us understand how community isn't just for Sundays. This discipline helps us to integrate our faith into every aspect of our daily lives and not create compartments. We thrive when we are wholly engaged in our life together in Christ, walking by faith through the struggles and big and small wins. So let us consider how we might stir one another up into love and good deeds. That question I asked you at the beginning of the service, how have you changed in the last 10 years? Maybe ask yourself, how have I changed in the last 10 years? Have I grown as a person of love? Am I enjoying greater fellowship with others in my church and my community through what God has been doing in me? God, transform my mind, change my heart, and put my hands to work that I might serve you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we look back and we see such a rich history that we have. Right back at the, the formation of the Christian ch church, Lord, we, we know that they shared our struggles and they share our joys. The encouragement to them is an encouragement that you give to us. And we know, Lord, that the days are short. Lord, we know the importance of the witness of the church in today's day and age, in our own country and in our own community. And so, Lord, we pray that you would enlarge our hearts that we would love, that we would grow in our understanding of you, that these marks of Christian character would be found in us as individuals and as a community. Lord, we pray that our, our town would know the love that God has for them because of the love that they see we have for each other. Lead us in this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.